1: From the studios of WHUP-LP in Hillsborough, North Carolina, the center of the known world, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. I am Jeff Shaw, and I'm very excited to have a packed show for you today with my guest Brad Acosta. Brad is a prominent local Brown Belt competitor. He was on the first Toro Cup Superfight Card, is on the next Toro Cup Super Fight Card, Toro Cup 6, coming up on February 11th. Competed at U.S. Grappling yesterday, all of which we will talk to him about. We will talk to Brad about teaching, about training, about competition, about his philosophies on jiu-jitsu and life, And more importantly, All the Reasons Roadhouse is the best movie of all time. We'll get to that in our featured interview in just a second. Before that, i got to tell you some of the great things that are going on in the North Carolina martial arts scene and how you can learn more about them as well as how you can get a hold of the show. You can always tweet at us uh, or Instagram us. We are on Instagram, Dirty White Belt Radio, DWB Radio. You can also use the hashtag DWB Radio or DWBBJJ, and we will see those posts as well. You can email the show at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. we got to change that eventually now that we have a new rebrand and whatever but uh but for now you can use that email address to get a hold of us if you know of anything we don't to start with the news. So U.S. grappling happened yesterday. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, biggest U.S. grappling tournament that's ever happened in the state of North Carolina. 350 plus registrants. It was really inspiring to see. And we'll, we'll recap that uh, during the course of the show. But for those of you that are interested in watching more jiu-jitsu, Toro Cup 6 is February 4th on uh, on Fe- February 4th at CageSide MMA, Cage Side Fight Company, and Triangle Jiu-Jitsu 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina. There are more than 20 matches on that card. Many of which are outstanding matches that we've never seen before. We're going to get John Bagels Telford in the studio next week to give us a full preview of all the matches on that card including Brad Acosta versus Wes Claytor from Gracie Raleigh which is a match that we'll break down with Brad later. Um, But this is going to be certainly the biggest Toro Cup yet in terms of matches. We always strive to make it the best Toro Cup yet and there's every reason to believe that that's going to happen. A lot of high profile matches have been announced. Something I'm really looking forward to. Um, Two friends of the show, two, uh, two of our favorite guests, two Two black belts are going up against each other. CJ Murdoch from Great Grappling is going to go up against Team Pedro Sours, David Porter. That is probably the match that I am personally most excited about right now. No offense, Brad. But I have it on very good authority from John Telford that at least one other match is going to blow your mind as much as that match will. And so he'll announce that match on the show next week. Also coming up. We at Dirty White Belt Radio are putting on our first event, and that is our first ever sem- seminar that we're bringing to town. And we wanted to make a big splash with this, so we brought in the best in the world. Dominica Oblenica, who will be in town for three days and will be on the show when she's here, is going to do two days of seminars here in Durham. Now, this is outstanding. If you don't know who Dominica is, you go Google her name. We'll post some of her videos. She's won double gold, which means she's won her weight class and absolute, beating everyone no matter what weight. At the world's the last two years. She's beaten the reigning world champion before that, the reigning absolute champion, Bea Mosquito. She is uh, just the best in the world right now and is also, I have on very good authority, an excellent teacher and uh, someone that you really enjoy listening to. If you wanna go out and train with her, she's gonna do two seminars. One women only seminar, that's gonna be Friday night, February 17th at Elevate MMA Academy in Durham. Um, the pre registration is, I'll give you pre registration avail- uh, information in just a second. The following day will be a co ed seminar open to everyone. That's going to be at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina, February 18th, starting at 11 a.m. If you want to register or if you want more information, you can go to dirtywhitebelt.com. You can pre-register at dirtywhitebelt.com slash shop and save yourself some money. This is a tremendous value seminar. If you are a lady training jujitsu, uh, you can get both seminars for a 100 bucks, which is a pretty sick deal. Um, if you if you just want to attend the co-ed seminar, that's $75. If you just want to attend the Friday night class, that's going to be $40. So go to dirtywhitebelt.com.shop and you can check that out. I'm very, very excited to, to be bringing... Dominica to the area, and I am excited to train with her. I hope you are as well. If you want to keep up on all of these events and what's going on in the community, we have a new interactive calendar at DirtyWhiteBelt.com. Me, John Bagels-Telford, Boomer uh, from Cage Side, a bunch of us who schedule events in the area, Cody Malte from Elevate MMA, uh, put our heads together and thought, you know, there's so many events going on. There's something it seems like every weekend. And for those of us that plan events, that plan super fight cards, that plan seminars, that plan uh, special classes, that plan special community events— we don't want to schedule all over each other. And so it's really helpful to have all of that information available in one place. You know, everybody has their own preferred calendars, Google calendars or or, uh, or Facebook events and everything. But I just noticed it for those of us that just want to see what's going on with Jujitsu and martial arts that having that all in one place is really useful. And so you can go to dirtywhitebelt.com, click on the calendar, and you can actually submit your own events. So if you're bringing in a seminar a seminar teacher that is particularly outstanding, if you know of a fight card, that's going to be great. If you just want to put your jujitsu schools open mats up there, we have some of the open mats listed right now, go ahead and go and, uh, and submit that. And hopefully we'll make this the vital community resource that I've always hoped it would be. Speaking of vital community resources, uh, we all know that US Grappling is the preferred tournament organization of Dirty White Belt Radio. They provide an amazing customer experience. I went out and competed yesterday along with 350 of my closest friends. It was a tremendous time. And I want to break down that US Grappling event and It would be ideal if I had a prominent local competitor that gets out and competes and had a bunch of matches at the brown belt level. And as it so happens, I do have just such a person. So to to lead into our featured interview with Brad Acosta from TFTC Academy, we're going to talk about U.S. grappling yesterday. How, How are you doing today, Brad?
0: Good, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me in here.
1: Our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company. Toro BJJ produces the highest quality gi's, rash guards, and grappling supplies for every Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. You can check them out online at ToroBJJ.com. Our thanks to Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for making our featured interview possible. So let's get to it. Before we talk about U.S. grappling, maybe for those of us that haven't uh,
0: trained with you, which is almost no one, you know, <laughs> um,
1: uh, maybe you could give us a little bit of, on your background, like who you are, how long you've been training, and just who Brad Acosta is.
0: Yeah, um, so I started jujitsu, I guess, a little over six years ago, and uh, just got the itch, and literally from from the first day I started, uh, it started being six, seven days a week, two a days if I could, sometimes three days, and uh, just nonstop just kind of in seek of information and training and training partners and uh started with jeff Baum, and uh you know trained with him for a long long time and uh with neil weaver now and brian mingy and uh at tftc academy and now we have a carry location we've got one in clayton as well but uh i'm at the carry one almost full time and uh just um Training nonstop. I like to do the competitions and uh, I like, you know, getting to roll with different people and uh, experience different, uh, all sorts of different games and uh, styles, philosophies. Uh, Yeah, I just enjoy all of it.
1: You pulled that. You you um, mentioned a lot of things there that we're going to pull out later. Your role as a teacher, your role as a training partner, you know, TFTC, your new location. Uh, but for now, let's get started with you as a competitor. I know, and we'll also talk about your competition career, including things like playing professional soccer, which I know a lot of folks want to hear about. But your most recent competition experience was at US Grappling, and and this was the biggest US Grappling that has ever happened in North Carolina. And what what was your experience there like? Uh, not we'll talk about your matches in a second, but just generally, what were your impressions of the event?
0: Yeah, that was impressive. Uh packed house i did not know it was going to be that big i didn't know the convention center was that big i uh i'd never really been inside there and i didn't know that had spaces that that large but there was a, a huge kids turnout which was exciting we had i think about 12 kids competing um from our gym which is awesome and uh so i got to watch a bunch of their matches and uh see a lot of friends and i tell you what there was a lot of people from out of state uh people were traveling for this one usually it's kind of the same you know north carolina scene and every once in a while maybe someone from uh right on the border of Virginia, but we had people from D.C. coming down and a little bit farther. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people I had not seen before.
1: Yeah, and that was inspiring. Like a ton of Virginia gyms, tons of folks from around, from around the D.C. area. A lot of people made the drive. And so it was cool because getting to train with and getting to roll with people that you don't get to roll with on a regular basis is really valuable. And it seems like, and you got to compete against some people that you hadn't
0: gotten to compete against. So, uh, what what happened with your matches? Yeah. Um, so, I had a bunch of matches, uh, all of which I'd never competed with any of those people before. And uh, got third in the Nogi, um, advanced Nogi, uh, uh, finished a third place match with uh, a nice uh, mounted one arm guillotine uh, a la. Cody Maltese. Shout out to Cody Maltese, Elevate MMA. Um, everything I've done with my guillotine game is based on everything he showed me and taught me. So anybody wants up their guillotine game, hit them up. Um, outside of that, I did get stuck in a uh, a little leg entanglement. Um, and I was telling you earlier, I, uh, a little frustrated by that. I used to just, if someone would want to play a leg game, I just avoided it and would get out of it and uh, just not not even indulging that at all and this time i was kind of you know i've been working on it the last year or so trying to get better at leg attacks and uh instead of backing out of it and just avoiding it i was like okay let's embrace this and let's see where it's going and i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to play this and uh i got stuck in a uh a shootout where i had his leg and he had mine and uh whoever gets a quicker draw <laughs> usually ends up winning and i was not the quickest on that one so uh oh well lost that one live and learn and uh in the gi i got third as well actually in a pretty deep little uh brown belt division and uh i lost to uh uh deandre corbet on points i think nine to two is the score um and he's a machine he's it's very tough to slow that kid down um and what did he win did he win gold or silver at the world championships last year?
1: Uh, he didn't win gold, I don't think. but uh, Maybe but, silver? Yeah. He's, yeah a, he's He won
0: something. Anyway, he I, he doesn't he lose much.
1: No, no, no. It's it, yeah. it, You, you got to get up
0: early to beat DeAndre, and even if you get up early, you're probably not going to beat DeAndre. Yeah, so I uh, did my best to slow him down, chain together some attacks on him, but yeah, he's, he's really good. He's just constant pressure. Uh, doesn't give you a whole lot of space, and uh, when he gets going, he's tough to stop. So oh. I, that was a fun one, but ended up getting third in that one. I um, actually had a match with Drew Colbroth and uh, I'd never rolled with Drew before, and Drew is, uh, I tell you what, man, he's a class act. Uh, he's got his old man strength. He's got his, his Hoist Gracie jiu-jitsu, and he's just a cool dude. We were having a fun time with that match, and uh, we were both kind of pooped towards the end of that. But, um, yeah, a co- uh, I want to roll with him more. He's a cool guy.
1: Yeah, Drew's awesome, and Drew Drew is one of the most Drew is one of the most understated world champions in the area. Like people people that know know how much how decorated Drew is as a competitive jiu-jitsu athlete. But like I'm amazed at how many people sleep on him just because he's kind of an under- understated guy. But like, he's one of my favorite guys to roll with because very technical, very old man strength. Like you know, once he gets that grip, you're not breaking it. And I'd love to roll with Drew more. I also w- want to mention like to lift up the match that Brad had with DeAndre. Not only was that one of the better matches of the day from my perspective, like I knew it was going to be an entertaining match because both you and deandre are always really fun to watch and you both transition extremely well and so we live streamed that on the dirty white belt radio facebook and so if you want to see brad's match with deandre you can go to dirty facebook.com dirty white belt it's one of the uh it's on our video tab and so you, you can actually see that match and like i i mean i was i was very impressed it is difficult to you know to keep a pace with deandre and so uh so yeah, so I mean, I'm glad that you you know you had a good experience at the, at the tournament. I want to use this as a way to transition from like how you started in competition jujitsu, which raises the question like how did you get started in, in jujitsu generally? You mentioned you started training with Jeff Baum. Maybe you can walk us through uh, how
0: how that came to be. Yeah, so I never had any intention of really starting jujitsu. I was at a a Gold's gym, just working out, staying fit. uh I was playing soccer at the time and uh just going through a workout and I walked by this room and they advertised that they had a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu class and I kinda of peeked in, didn't know a whole lot about it and uh um I was like, Well that would be kinda of cool and I looked at the clock and the class was actually gonna start in about ten minutes, so I kinda of, I walked in and uh I saw Jeff in there and then I saw some other uh, really big guys in there putting on their geese, and uh, I thought it'd be cool to uh, to try a class. And uh, I went up to Jeff and asked him if I could uh, if I could take his class. He said, "Yeah, absolutely." And he kind of laughed a little bit. I was, a, you know, a little tiny guy in there, and uh, um, I really enjoyed it and the stuff he taught. I, I, it was really intriguing to me how it all chained together, and uh, and it was also intriguing that no one in there was trying to. To beat me up. I I didn't know the difference between MMA and Jiu Jitsu, really. I didn't know if people were going to be in there fighting or what was going on. And uh, uh, I thought it was really cool how they were really welcoming and helping me. And uh, man, I went home that night, ordered a gi online, had it next day aired, showed up the very next day for class, and uh, had my gi on. And he was laughing. He's like, Where'd you get a gi from already? And uh, uh, anyway, from that day forward, I just started literally following Jeff around wherever, every time he had a class. I was there at that gym and he was teaching down at TFTC, which is how I got associated with them in uh, and Clayton and, uh, basically started following him to Clayton right afterwards. And, uh, basically everywhere he went, I followed him around for years. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely, uh, everything I do in Jiu Jitsu now is kind of based on the stuff that Jeff has shown me and taught me. And, uh, I don't get to train with him enough as much as I'd like to anymore. Um, you know, he's got his own place now in uh, in apex it's doing real well. And, uh, I try to pop in when I can, but, uh, Yeah, Jeff uh, definitely set me on the right path. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Jeff Baum's school is called Open Guard BJJ. He's under Roberto Maya, who is, uh, uh, I I have no idea what, what degree a black belt Roberto is, but he's been training <laughs> um, for yeah. right exactly. He's been training for thirty years, so as legit as it gets. Um, and what you've described is actually, I think, the best. What like uh, what you've described your journey at the first days of jiu-jitsu is kind of how I would encourage other people to. I think that's a template for getting better at jiu-jitsu. Find a good instructor, follow that instructor around, and be like, "Hey, <laughs> when's class? When's class? Like every class we we got we got two today. Cool, I'll be there." And uh, and that's just just dedication and just continuing to show up regularly with a, a you know with a, a good instructor is sort of the best way for from my perspective to learn Jiu Jitsu. So you so you, you train you started training there. Um, you I, I want to talk a little bit about your role with TFTC right now because you guys have recently opened a new location. it's been about a year yeah a year and a half a year and a half. And so one of the things that you were competing all the time and then suddenly you begin, Primary, not primarily, necessarily, but you, you play a key role as an instructor over there. And I'm wondering what you get out of each role of Brad the
0: teacher versus Brad the competitor is. Yeah. So I went from, you know, training all the time, doing a lot of competitions, doing a lot of rolling. to all of a sudden now I'm responsible for uh, the fundamentals classes, the intro classes and the kids classes And uh, my training kind of stopped a little bit. It kind of paused and it got frustrating for a while. So for about eight or nine months when we first opened up, I went from, you know, it went from rolling six or seven times a week uh, to once every three or four weeks if I was lucky, just because, you know, you gotta supervise white belt versus white belt matches. You gotta make sure people aren't, you know, having the death rolls and you gotta pair people up size-wise to kind of make sure people are safe, especially, you know, there's no one more dangerous than like a, a newer white belt. And, uh, you kinda, they don't know what they don't know yet. So you got to kind of make sure everyone's safe and has a good training atmosphere. But, uh, anyway, so yeah, I, uh, I kind of put my training on, on the back burner for a while and, um, I was still on the mats and I was still doing things, but teaching and uh and helping is a lot different i guess whenever you have a business you have to make sure it runs correctly so you kind of don't get to do the things you're used to doing and uh so i uh yeah i got more of a a a teaching role and um i'm getting back to where i'm still i'm teaching a decent amount now still but uh I'm, i'm able to fit in my training as well which do you enjoy more or is it impossible to pick yeah it's impossible to pick i uh i will say that i think my favorite thing is teaching our kids classes i uh I, I probably do like that more than i like my own training i uh seeing the kids faces change and you see their confidence change and you know we've had kids that came in that were getting bullied that they came in with their head down and then when they see that the other kids are being really friendly with them and helping them and then you see that they're learning how to protect themselves they realize that getting bullied is something that they don't they don't have to really worry about anymore and you see their personality change and uh that is really rewarding for me, and then just seeing how much they love jujitsu. Like uh, I've got a bunch of kids. I think we have like 51 kids in our kids program now, and uh, like 12 of which competed yesterday, and they love jujitsu. Like I rarely have kids in this class, and uh, that to me is exciting. So seeing that I'm, you know, kind of helping make the world a better place and letting these kids love jujitsu, uh, passing that on to them is uh, that makes me feel fantastic.
1: Well, when your first kid grows up and submit me, I'm going to be real mad at you, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) They're coming, my man. They are coming. Trust me. It's true. The kids are coming for us all. uh, (laughs) But but, but it is great. uh, You know, a lot of people that don't do jiu-jitsu, I think, get confused when we refer to jiu-jitsu as a journey. But I think what you just described explains why it is a journey, right? Because there is a season for you to be like intense competition. I'm training all the time. My diet is right. I'm looking at my weight and I got my, you know. I've got my competition face on. And then there's a time that's like, hey, you know, I taught a kid today. That kid's life is going to be improved. You know, I see the light going. And, and, and that's no one is better than the other. There's just a time for in each of our lives that, that we that's appropriate for us to do that stuff. And so I'm really glad you're getting I'm really glad that you enjoy teaching so much. I'm also really glad to see Brad Acosta, the competitor again, because many of our listeners know you were on the first ever Toro Cup card. You know, you competed against Brad McDonald, uh, and and you're on the newest Toro Cup card, the latest one, which is uh, February 11th, against Wes Claytor. Let's start with the new one. I do want to talk yeah. to you about your match with Brad as well, just to, to sort of, like, take it back so we can take it forward. But, you know, Wes, another uh, Brown Belt competitor from Gracie Raleigh, really tough guy, had one of my favorite Toro Cup matches ever against Kyle Trujillo, very tough competitor in his own right. And so... Well, how are you preparing for this match? What do you know about Wes, and uh, and what do you expect?
0: Uh, Preparation-wise, I mean, I do the same thing I kind of do for everything. I don't ever spec like specifically train for a competition. I, I just come to class, I train smart, I train hard, um, and just stay fit, roll as much as I can, and uh, just try to do the things I'm good at. As far as, uh, I've never rolled with Wes. I've seen him roll at a few matches and tournaments and t- a couple Toro Cups, and uh i know he's good i think he's got a game that's probably pretty similar to mine and uh, i know he's got a a a real good motor so he's gonna go and uh i mean he's one of brandon's guys you know brandon Garner, gracie raleigh so if if you're one of brandon's guys you are going to be good uh i know that for a fact brandon is very good he's a very accomplished teacher fighter competitor uh you know he doesn't leave a whole lot of stones unturned all his guys are very well-rounded grapplers and uh so i'm looking forward to i think it'll be fun uh i think i've talked to Wes a couple times Um, before him and I ever knew we had a match. And he just seemed like a really nice guy. And uh, I always like competing when it's uh, super nice people. It makes it a lot more fun and rewarding. And it's, uh, you know, I, I just like, sharing some mat time with uh, people that kind of have the same outlook on things as I do. Mm
1: -hmm. I will say that, like, you know, uh, my comments about the Murdoch-Porter match aside, your match is one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most for some of the reasons you just described, which is, like, both you and Wes keep a high pace. Both of you like to transition. There is no give up in either of you. And so I'm very excited to see that match. You know, uh, I saw Wes at the tournament yesterday. I know he was looking forward to it as well. So, uh, you know, Toro Cup, uh, February 11th, uh, really looking forward to that. And it also must be kind of cool, like, uh, you know, as somebody that's been involved in the Toro Cup from the beginning, it's very cool for me to see you continue to be on those cards. And so you were on the first one. And we ne- we didn't know whether, you know, we're just like, let's try this and see w- what's going to happen. And so you as a purple belt at that time, we matched you up against Brad McDonald, a guy who's been training forever, a guy whose birthday it is today, by the way. Happy uh, birthday, Brad. Happy birthday, Brad. Brad. Yeah, man. Like, a guy, Brad's been a fixture of the local martial arts scene for, since long before you and I were training. And so, what do you remember most about preparing for and competing in that match on Toro Cup One?
0: Um, Preparation-wise, like I said before, it was the same. I was—that was when I was training a lot and rolling a lot. So, uh, um,
1: well, what, pre- let, let me break in and just ask, like, to, to, to drill down on the preparation yeah. question. When, when you know, I think it was me that called you, yeah. And it's like when when we said, "Hey, man, we're doing this thing called Toro Cup, and it's going to be a super fight card," like irrespective of you like preparing yourself athletically what did you think of the event were you like okay let's see where this go. what did you expect
0: i i, I mean, that was kind of right around the time i guess metamoras came out so there were some grappling tournaments and they were kind of popping up and i it was, wasn't was the turn it was the super fight format where it's just one match and you, you kind of pair people up and i didn't know what to expect i uh it turned out to be a lot bigger than what i thought and uh um I was actually. It's funny. I'm trying to prepare for my matches, but I was really looking forward to some of the other matches that are on there. When you guys started listing out some of these names, I, th- I was, I was like, wow, that was really, really cool. I'd love to watch some of these guys compete against one another. So I'm preparing for my match, but I'm also looking down the card, saying, wow, I, I, all right, so I want really want to see that one. Who do I think is going to win? And yeah, that was really cool. You guys had a lot of, uh, you know, it's uh, like a little all star cast of people going against one another, and. uh they raised money for charity. I can't remember what the charity was. Was it? Uh, I
1: think the first one was Mission Twenty Two. Maybe uh, uh, like we've done Mission Twenty Two. We've done geese for GIs. We've done um, an animal shelter yeah. in, in here. So I think it was Mission Twenty Two for the first one. But uh, but there've been
0: six, and I've had a lot of concussions. So yeah. <laughs> it was a no. It was a really cool event. Anytime anytime you can put together something like that, like I, MMA is fun. Going to MMA events is sometimes fun. But you get a different crowd and the Jiu Jitsu crowd is so much more respectful. No offense, MMA crowd. But uh, the Jiu Jitsu crowd is, you know, there's no trash talking. There's always respectful handshaking, a lot of compliments and like oohs and ahs, and, you know, people cheering. And you know, its it's a happier environment. Yeah. And like, and uh, you know, what? I don't think, frankly, neither of us, none of us knew what
1: to expect. Right. We were like, you know, it's sort of like throwing a party and you hope people show up and people did show people showed up in force. Like we weren't prepared for how many people showed up in force. And I hope we didn't violate the fire code with that first one. But <laughs> but um, it, it's it's been really cool to build and like watch, watch it. Grow into something that's sort of a fixture, and have done six of them now. And so that's why I want us to look back at the first one because, you know, nobody really knew what what was going to happen. And all we knew is, well, hey, you know, I've always wanted to see this guy go against this guy. Well, this guy's never gone against that guy. Dude, that would be an awesome match. And that was sort of our thought for, for you and Brad. You were roughly the same size. He'd been training much longer than you, but you had been, as you mentioned, like training and competing all the time at that time. And we, we knew both of you guys were going to go after it. And so what do you remember about the match specifically?
0: I remember I was actually working a lot of wrestling at that time. Um, I think I had just got done with an MMA fight and uh, had been doing a lot of wrestling with Mark Jihad and his dad Fred Jihad and uh, you know I had never wrestled my entire life like I said I always played soccer and up until that point I would kind of always just played guard and uh, was working on trying to be uh, be on top a lot more and I remember I got a, a really nice takedown that we'd been working on and I was happy about that you know the takedowns were always nerve-wracking by then because nobody wants to get tossed through the air and let, like dumped on their head so you're always you know you want to get the takedown I got a nice takedown and was starting to pass his guard and uh he regarded real quick and uh somehow through a scramble i ended up in a triangle a tight triangle for a long time and uh i managed to have uh one arm was all the way in the triangle and then had another one about a quarter of the way in so i had one arm kind of keeping me out of trouble for a while and uh brad was squeezing for a long time and it was tight for a long time so i had to just inch by inch. I sat there and I was like, okay, I need to accept it. All right, I'm going to be here for a little bit. I need to slowly work my way out, stay calm and uh, just start working my escapes when I, uh, when I see my opportunities, you know, so that was our little chess match there. I'd see him squeeze and then he'd rest and he'd squeeze and he'd rest. And during his rests, I would try to inch out. And it was just a matter of who was going to get what first. And uh, I ended up getting out and getting on top. And I think I got, man, maybe a choke. I think it was a bow and arrow choke or uh, a paper cutter choke or something, but uh, ended up getting something. Uh, I think he was a little bit pooped. He, uh, I think he used a lot of energy and zapped himself in that triangle, so he was... Uh uh, but Brad's a man. I uh, I enjoyed rolling with him. He's a really he's a class act. He's a cool guy. Yeah, most definitely. And like that's sort of why why I wanted to see that match. And why,
1: and your memories of that match are, are really similar to mine as well. And I remember thinking like, okay, either he's going to get this triangle or like, and I could see on Brad's face, I was like, he's either going to get it or he's going to he's going to spend all his energy trying to get it. And so, which is you know, and one of those that's one of the tactical considerations in the match, right? Where you're like, yeah. this is my best opportunity. Let's, let's let's put it all. I think there's up.
0: an old there's an old boxing ad. It says. uh, if you go for the knockout early, you almost never. If you don't get it, you almost never win the fight. The guy that goes for the knockout just goes for it. it they almost never have anything left for a decision. So it's kind of one of those things. You put all your eggs in the basket, go for the finish early, and hopefully you get it. And if not, sometimes you get some of something own, I guess.
1: Yeah, you know, and this is and this is one of the very interesting things about competitive jujitsu. And like people, I actually got in a conversation uh, to do a little bit of a digression about. With Andrew Bittner yesterday about who would do better, about who was "quote unquote" was better among prominent jujitsu competitors, and he took one side. I forget even who we were talking about, but we were, you know, and he took one side. I was like, no, this guy beat that guy. Oh no, this guy beat that guy. And then I said, well, actually, you know, and then I said, man, it really depends on the rule set. And Bittner was like immediately, yes, right, because I know there are people. That I feel like I do very well against in points matches that would probably beat me submission only and vice versa. There and it's just one of the one of the really fa- the interesting facets of jiu-jitsu is how the format dictates your strategy. And so I'm wondering from your perspective, like, do you have a favorite format? And if so, what what why is that format your favorite?
0: Um, I think my favorite format would definitely be no time limit submission only. Uh, that's the way my game is kind of based. I do like to go fast and push a hard pace, but. Uh, yeah I don't play for points i'll be honest there's I don't ever look up at the scoreboard I don't care i uh all the matches I won yesterday i finished all of them um which I'm happy about I almost rarely win a points match i or i rarely win by points i uh I always hunt for finishes um that's the only way I know how to play that's what jitsu was created for you know jitsu was created to protect yourself and to submit people it wasn't created to win by an advantage you know if you're out there protecting yourself in the street you can't jump guard on a guy and wrap his t-shirt around his arm and uh and then halfway sweep him and stand up and then say, all right, cool, fight's over. I won by advantage. You know, it's uh it was created for self-defense. And uh um but yeah, no time limit, submission only. I think that's what Jesus was created for. And uh you know, I uh I, I try not to exhaust my gas tanks too much. I'm uh I try to just weather the storm and outlast people and submit people and try to keep them in danger. And uh that's kinda my game. I don't play points much. Mm-hmm.
1: So you have a strong athletic background. You mentioned playing soccer. I know you grew up playing soccer in North Carolina, wound up playing professionally. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I want to ask you a few questions about that. But first, maybe you can just describe your experience with soccer and uh,
0: where, where that journey took you um, for folks that may not be familiar with it. Yeah, so I came from um, Swansboro, North Carolina, a uh, big soccer community down there, and uh, came from a, a family of soccer players. My brother and sister both played soccer. Uh, my brother, uh, my younger brother, he played at UNCW, and he's uh, an All-American there at UNCW and um, did real well for himself. He's now coaching over at Fuquay Arena. Coaches our men's and women's teams there. And uh, um, anyway, so I yeah, started playing when I was six years old, and we all played together and did that and uh, started immediately kind of figuring out that I guess I was pretty good at it. And, uh, you know, we started kind of traveling the state, and I uh, started playing for some, some pretty decent-sized teams, and good teams, and we won a state championship in high school. Uh and then uh, ended up, you know, played soccer in college, and after college, I didn't know what I was gonna do with myself, so I uh, ended up going to like a, a training combine and got signed by a team, and uh, just kinda started playing soccer professionally, and I, honestly, I just, I love soccer so much, like kinda what I am with Jiu Jitsu now is what I used to be with soccer. I, I was in love with it, I would train every chance I got. I was traveling, training with different folks, and uh, the fact that somebody was going to pay me to play soccer, and pay my bills, and give me some money, you know, to go play soccer was amazing to me. It wasn't a lot of money, but it would, to me, it it, it could have been a million dollars a year. It seemed like, cause I was just pumped that I was doing exactly what it was I love to do. Mm-hmm. So that was very cool. And it actually helped me a lot with coaching too. In the off season, we would, uh, you know, we'd run a bunch of camps and seminars to kind of supplement income. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it taught me how to run a, a really good training session with, you know, you can have a bunch of kids, you can have a bunch of adults and very quickly you have to Uh, manage numbers you have to manage time you have to get everything flowing you can't have any downtime for people so you can look at a room full of people and instantly start coming up with a session almost on the spot so I got to where I can run a decent session and uh, yeah soccer uh, definitely set me off on uh, my athletic uh, endeavors I guess.
1: You know, we've never talked about this, but it occurs to me that one of the best jiu-jitsu and martial arts minds I know, and someone who's taught a a seminar at your gym, is also one of the biggest soccer fans I know, and that's Dave Camarillo.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, no, he watches the Premier League, he watches... uh, the, the what's the, 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 he watches many of the, the prominent professional soccer leagues and is just pretty obsessed with it. And he talks about it on Twitter. We've talked about it. And so like, so I, uh, my question, which you've just answered is had you ever talked with Dave about it, but like next time you guys have to have a soccer conversation. because that dude is into it. And I would be very interested actually in hearing his thoughts on the question I'm going to ask you, which is, are there tactical and strategic similarities between jujitsu and soccer that
0: you notice as a competitor or as a coach? um tactical i don't know if i'd say there's tactical or strategic soccer is kind of a very organic sport it's very dynamic you kind of figure it out as you're going um it's not like you go in there you can't set up plays like you can in in uh in football and basketball soccer you kind of just it flows and you kind of get it going as it you know as it's happening but uh um soccer I, i feel like yeah thinking on the go um you know, being dynamic, having three, four, five, six possible decisions, you have to kind of choose one immediately, uh, is very similar to, uh, to jiu jitsu. You know, you get in, uh, you get in certain spots and you have your go to things that you like to do and, uh, you kind of think on the fly and it helps you make decisions very quickly. So I feel like if you like to play a, a very quick paced game, which I do, um, I think it's probably based on me playing soccer. You know, I like to make decisions quickly and go with it and don't look back. And uh, that's kind of what you have to do. You know, I'm not a, Uh, sit down and close my guard and keep someone tight and slowly methodically work my way up there. I don't I I can't do it. I've tried it's not my game. I uh, I'm going to get going and I make decisions very quickly and we're going to see where we end up in the next couple minutes and I have no clue where I'm going but I know I'm going to get there fast.
1: Well said, And you know, what obviously, I mean, th- that description makes sense to me. And also w- th- you, you have to consider the individual dynamic versus the team dynamic, right? Like there are many sports that I look at that I think ostensibly, okay, there are some similarities between jujitsu and the sport, but the individual versus team dynamic is really, is really interesting because jujitsu is a team sport in the sense that our training partners are definitely our team that helps us prepare. But when you're out there, you're, you're really out there by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And so, how do you how do you think that individual and team dynamic plays into your competition? Because you're a coach helping prep people for competitions, and you're also an individual competitor. And so, I guess how do you how do you think of that? How do you how do you think of the team versus individual dynamic in competitive jujitsu?
0: I um so you know with soccer when you lose games, there's, there's almost always a reason why you lost, and everybody will talk about it afterwards. So oh, we lost because uh, you know this this referee, this official made some bad calls here, or we gave up a terrible goal here, this guy was off sides, but they let it play play out anyway. That guy called an advantage, yeah, and it wasn't an advantage. Yeah, some junk. But in jiu-jitsu, you're out there, you have no excuses. Every time I've ever lost, I don't have an excuse. I lost because um, I'm not good enough. You know, Marcelo Garcia kind of screwed it up for all of us. He's the little guy that beats all the bigger guys, so you can never say, well, he beat me because he's too strong. You no, know, Marcelo Garcia beats people. You know, if if your skills are high enough you you will win you know and that's kind of uh i guess the ultimate journey we're all on we're all seeking perfection we know we'll never get it but we chase it anyway we're gluttons for punishment jiu-jitsu people just constantly we just beat ourselves up we're in like this abusive relationship with jiu-jitsu <laughs> where are just yeah we're constantly just facing failure over and over and over but we keep we love it for some reason it's uh george costanza said uh he said uh talking about his ex-wife he said jerry any woman that can hate me that much only comes along once in a lifetime, <laughs> and that's how I feel about jujitsu. It's uh, I don't know why I love it, but I do.
1: No, I'm totally with that, and like it, it's it's funny because the the uh, you know I was talking with some of our white belt students the other day about how you know they're scared about you know get and, and you know because c- some people want to compete, some people don't. Some people that's their goal, some people it's not a part of their goal. And so I talk to the folks that want to compete or, or that are like on the fence, and a lot of them are like, uh, you know, I try and tease out, okay, what makes you resistant to it. Because I, re- I feel like there's really powerful benefits to competition. And the the common answer is, well, I'm, I'm afraid of getting out there and embarrassing myself and feeling like a fool. And I'm like, well, if you don't like feeling like a fool, <laughs> jiu-jitsu might not be for you. Because the thing is, One thing that's really important to understand is that there are always folks that are so much better than you that they can make you feel like you don't know jujitsu. And you you and I have been training about the same amount of time. We both have trained, you know, put in a lot of hours on the mat. And like, I'm sure you've rolled with people that just make you feel like, man, I thought I understood the half guard. Obviously, I don't understand the half guard. You know, but that's inspiring too because it's like if I keep continue to train, if I continue to strive on that quest for perfection. You know, I can be there in five years, ten years, however however long uh, the the person. You know, that, uh, you know, I, I can I, I can get much closer to that goal. Yeah. Who is the? you know, I'm going to ask you a loaded question, all and right. so you can give you can, you can give a series of answers if you want. But who is the best
0: person you've ever trained with? Hmm. All right. So, all right, that is loaded. I'm going to give several answers on that. Um. There's a couple guys. Uh, one is Joe Selecki he's one that comes to mind because he's out there competing and I don't know that I've ever I've seen him lose one match one time and he lost to Gary Tonin (laughs) and it wasn't like he went out there and got smoked he was kind of all over Gary Tonin until he lost and uh he is someone that uh you know is roughly my size and I've watched him just beat really like really good people world-class people I mean he. Submitted Gibson saw I guess a few months ago down at mm-hmm. that tournament down in South Carolina and Gibson saw's a, a monster so he's one that uh, I, I kind of try to I never try to reinvent the wheel I see what people are doing that works and I try to copy that so I, I'm, there's things he's doing that I'm trying to copy and uh, um, another one I mean Brian Mingy's another one like people don't get the role of Brian enough and I know he was on the uh, the BJJ uh, yeah, the was thing it? with solo yeah, and yeah out there in California the BJJ Library Challenge where they brought out you know like Eight of some of the best black belts in the world, heavyweight black belts, to compete in this kind of real world reality show house type thing. And like Brian, it didn't, the way it aired, it didn't make it look great. But Brian, and he'll never tell you because he's a warrior, but he, in one of the matches, tore his shoulder all to bits, like one of the first matches, and they they kind of told him, "Hey, you, you there's no problem if you want to bow out." And he said, "No, absolutely not. You know, I'm here. I'm going to compete, and I'm going to try to win, even with one arm." So he couldn't even put on his gi. They were putting on his gi, but they never aired any of that. They they would put on his gi, and he went out there and did his matches. And he's never made an excuse. He doesn't tell anybody about that. But um, he didn't get to show how good he really is. But he's a he's a machine. He's one of the 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 few big guys I've ever rolled with that doesn't use it. He doesn't squash me, he'll play light, and no matter where I go, he just submits me wherever I'm at, but he'll also let me attack things, and he's just, it's cool to see somebody that kinda plays with you. You know, I feel like I'm a somewhat dangerous grappler, and he just kinda entertains me and lets me go wherever I wanna go. Um, Let's see, another one, there's a guy in Wilmington, uh, John Salter, that uh, is fighting for Bellator right now, that uh, is a machine. Very much the same way I just described Brian, is the same thing he's a i i'd never really felt anything like that the way he grappled is uh man he is very proficient very good just very same thing a bigger guy that would let me go wherever i wanted to go and submit me when i get there and yeah he's he's the real deal absolutely he uh i don't know if you saw it he had a, a bellator fight against brandon halsey a couple months back and uh I did he see hadn't it. fought in a couple of years he's been down in wilmington training i've been down there and trained with him a few times and i looked at when the fight came up for whatever reason something came across my phone i saw odds on it. i never gamble on anything and he was like a minus or a plus 400 underdog and uh he was fighting a guy that's kind of prominently a grappler a wrestler and i was like oh my god and i called my friend that trains wilmington my friend buddy and uh, i said oh we have to bet money on this <laughs> yeah. i was like and we bet money on it. We ended up winning a couple thousand dollars because John submitted him in the first round, which we all said would happen. And uh, yeah, he's he's the real deal. So maybe there, there's my answer. Those those three are some of the best I've ever rolled with. I think, and uh, I'm sure there's other good ones out that I'm probably forgetting. But those are three that come to mind real quick. Those are three great answers, and I admire you for not leading with the
1: guy that made you a few thousand dollars. <laughs> and, and, and congrats, by the way. But like, yeah, those are terrific names. Like most everybody knows Joe these days, Joe Selecki, so because of his career in MMA, and he's just out there competing all the time and in- Grappling and MMA and just just killing cats. Um, I do agree with you that like I think Brian's one of the most well kept secrets in North Carolina about how good that he is. And you know, and uh, it should it should come as a surprise to know when that reality TV doesn't 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 always live up to the reality <laughs> <laughs> angle of things. But uh, but yeah, I always enjoy talking with people about you know who the best that they've trained with with are. You know, so so to take a take a bit of a different tack. You know, you're a brown belt now. You've you know beaten really good cats at brown belt. And had really memorable matches at Brown Belt. I'm wondering if Brown Belt Brad could tell Blue Belt Brad, hey man, I know you're working hard trying to get better. Here are some things you need to change in order to get better. Because I'm sure there's some Blue Belts listening right now that would get a lot out of your answer.
0: Yeah. So um, one would be, I would, you know, I I would stay off the internet and stop looking up the fanciest new crazy submissions. You know, like instead of, uh, I remember, I think I was looking up something one time, like, a submission to do when I'm on the bottom in side control like hey if I could just attack from down here nobody would ever see it coming when really I should have just been focusing on escaping side control here's what I need to do and this is the best way to do it just focus on the fundamentals and building up that foundation but um, yeah that, that would be one thing uh, but um, I guess life wouldn't be as fun if we all did the most intelligent thing every time we kind of got a do something dumb and then learn from it but uh that would be one another one would be just have have fun with it i was very serious with jiu-jitsu white blue and then slowly in purple belt and uh actually mary holmes kind of talked to me about it one time i was i was in one of those slumps and somehow her and i were talking and she goes yeah i used to be the same way and i just decided one day i'm just gonna start having more fun you know i'm gonna stop putting so much pressure on myself and i'm just gonna enjoy it more and kind of enjoy the ride there you go that's that's my advice enjoy the ride like you're gonna be doing this for a long time i want to do this you know, you know what? Drew Colberth was out there competing. He's fifty years old and competing with all the young guys, and that's exactly what I want to be. I want to be someone that can still hang and still enjoys doing it, still going to competitions. And to do that, you have to take care of your body. You can't put so much pressure on yourself. You have to just enjoy the ride. Like it's at one point, it will be over. You know, I, I hate to think about it. I hope I can do it till you know till the day I die. But at some point, there is going to be a day where you can't get on the mat anymore. And when that day comes, I am going to hope I. Uh, it, I really enjoyed everything it was I was doing. So don't worry about the end result. Enjoy the ride, Enjoy the people you're meeting that you're training with because, uh, you know, friends that will let you choke them and throw them around, those are people that don't come around a whole lot. So you need to embrace it and take care of them and, you know, enjoy being around them. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm just waiting until I can install my consciousness
1: into a robot body so I can train forever. <laughs> and like Andrew Smith assures me it's just a couple more decades before radical human life extension, and I'm counting on that. So that, that better happen. But, but yeah, I think, that's, I think both of those points are, are really, really good good pieces of advice. So on that was that the was that the script from Robo RoboCop Two that you just gave me by the way <laughs> yeah absolutely we're gonna we're gonna make we're, we should make I, I don't know whether we want to make RoboCop a, a RoboCop sequel more or a Roadhouse sequel and uh, but and and no we're not going to talk about Roadhouse just yet but I do have a Roadhouse segment in mind for us. yes so uh, so yeah so on, on the topic of taking care of your body like what what type of nutritional advice do you have for fo- or, or like either fitness health nutritional
0: advice that doesn't involve the McRib. It doesn't involve me man I am out a weakness for mic ribs. I haven't had one in a long time but uh I, honestly I'm really good about staying away from fast food uh I used to be really bad about it in the soccer days when you're running non-stop you're just burning so many calories it almost it almost doesn't matter what you put in your body I mean it, it does to a certain extent but um now that I, I don't run as much you know I've got bad knees I've you know I had torn both ACLs playing soccer and uh I can't run as much. There's almost no cartilage in here. So now if I run, it just hurts. So I have to find other ways to supplement, um, you know, doing cardio. So I, I can't eat as much or the kind of stuff I used to eat. So now I just, I, I do stay healthy. I'm not a vegan. Sorry, Jeff. But, uh, you know, I um I, I don't drink soda, any of that junk. Uh, you know, I, uh, I just try to eat healthy and I balance it out and I, I just, I kind of eat what my body feels like I should eat. Like, I don't hold myself to some super strict diet and say, okay, I have to have this many calories by this amount of time. And no, I I eat what I feel like eating. And honestly, I check my every Sunday, uh, I check my weight. I have a scale in the bathroom. I check it and see where I'm at. And I say, okay, if I'm higher than what I should be, I say, all right, cool. I have one week to get it back down to where it needs to be. And I just kind of go from there. I don't really look at it a whole lot but uh yeah just healthy living i like to work out you know i I try to work out at least five times a week whether it's jujitsu or doing the gym uh and just you know i don't try to lift any insane amount of weight i just do stuff for stability and long-term maintenance and uh yeah i just i'm a big fan of being active you have to do something active all the time you know and so i'm always trying to find different creative ways to to stay fit Uh, my girlfriend wants me to go on walks more and i hate walking it's so boring to me i can't stand it so i've got it to where uh uh, I bought our bikes. we can go on some bike rides and uh we have the Greenway right by our house. So we do a lot of bike rides and uh and stuff like that. So that's uh a lot more fun than walking, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Like I, I um I,
1: I I joke and I'm eighty percent serious about this. Like when people ask me why I got into jujitsu, I was like, because I hated running. Oh, running was the worst. most boring thing. Yeah, like I hate it. Seriously, 'cause like and, and specifically for me, like if I'm if I'm out bored and like you, I don't have the great the greatest of knees. And so you're out there. Your knees are taking a pounding, you're bored, you're moving slower than you do on a bike or in a car, and there's, a, and there's full steam right by my house, full steam brewery. So if I've run like a half a mile and I'm like already like this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, there's a beer store right there yeah. I'm probably just going to go in and have a beer. On the other hand, if Brad is trying to toehold me or Drew Colbert is trying to choke me, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving, and so that just inspires me to, to continue. Also, jiu-jitsu is way more fun, but, yeah. but, uh, but that's sort of part of it. So it sounds like your primary fitness stuff that you do outside of jiu is you lift and go on and, and bike rides. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely fair to say. Lift, bike rides, and uh, just jiu-jitsu is pretty much it. Mm, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And I agree with what you say about like being active. And I think for, for me personally, I feel like it's very important to find the active stuff that you enjoy, right? Like you're never, if someone was like, Brad, the best way to be the best jiu-jitsu athlete in the world is to walk all the time. You'd probably do it, but you'd probably hate every minute of it, right? Yeah. And you're a very dedicated person. And I think most people that are less dedicated, like people always ask, ask me, you know, what's the best martial art? And obviously, you know, I'm a a huge jiu-jitsu partisan, but I always tell people, like, it's the one you like, because that's the the one one that's best
0: for you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because that's the one you'll do, right? Like, if if you, I mean, obviously, I feel like jiu-jitsu is the best thing in the world, but like, if somebody hates every minute of it, but loves yoga, you know, it's probably better for you to get into yoga, because like, you won't, you'll stop showing up to something that you hate. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I'm gonna ask you a softball question, followed by a hard question. All right. And the softball question is this why is Roadhouse the best movie of
0: all time? All right. So let's see. Roadhouse is easily the best movie of all time. It's first off, it's timeless. It must have had probably one of the cheapest budgets of all time, (laughs) but it is still like making money. And, uh, I don't know. There's just, it's so much, uh, it, it almost, it started out as an action flick and over time has become a comedy and, uh, I love watching it now and I will laugh so hard and like, I'll I'll go down all these little rabbit holes analyzing it and saying well what if he would have done this and what if what if uh, Dalton decided he was going to go work for Brad Wesley like he could have had a good life in that town he could have still dated the doctor they could have had I mean Brad Wesley was bringing J.C. Penney's to that town he could have worked he, Dalton could have managed J C Penney's he could have got out of the bouncing business I mean it's yeah. it's it's endless but uh, yeah. and then his and then his mentor wouldn't have been killed yeah you know? exactly would have saved lives Wade Garrett would have never gotten stabbed um. Yeah, I mean, he could have drove around that Bigfoot truck all around town. I mean, Dalton could have been living the life if he hadn't, uh, you know, stood by his morals so much. But, yeah, there's so many good one-liners and so much philosophy. There's a lot of things he says in that movie that I go back and watch now and it's legit, like, martial arts philosophy. Like, he says some things that I really agree with.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, like, uh, the philosophical aspects of Roadhouse, and I should write, like, an academic paper about Roadhouse philosophy, because or, or what what gets me, and, like, there are many amazing one-liners, as you mentioned, about 80% of which we can't say on the air, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, when I, I, I popped my foot the other day, or, like, a couple weeks ago, and m- and my girlfriend was watching when it happened, and, you know, I kept rolling, and she, she has, our eyes got, like, as big as dinner plates, and we're just like, why are you yeah, and, and, and afterwards she was like, uh, you know, we were kind of we got into an exchange about it. And she's like, why did you do that? And I was like, well, there was no structural damage. It just hurt. And she was like, but you're you're hurt. How do you keep going? And I was like, pain, pain don't, don't hurt. hurt. Pain Everybody don't knows hurt. That. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I was like, and she didn't even have to stitch me up. So so it's all the better. Well, you could have stitched yourself up it would have <laughs> right. been a right Dalton. No, ex- exactly. Well, you know, I didn't want to show off. Uh, <laughs> plus, there was no broken skin. Different injury. <laughs> But uh, but so I, maybe I misanalyzed which was going to be the hardball question, which was going to be the softball question. So this is what I thought was the hardball question, okay. which is
0: what is your favorite part of Roadhouse, or for your favorite moment in Roadhouse? Favorite moment? Oh man! Um, see, it's tough, right? That it's tough. Is right? tough, tough pick, actually. pick just one. Yeah, you know? and then there's some that I just I know we can't put on the air. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see. Um, Hmm, fair part of
1: Roadhouse. Would it help if I gave you mine and give you a little time to think? So mine is the be nice until it's time not to be nice speech. The whole speech, right? Because it's like, it has all the great things about Roadhouse that are like, you know, Patrick Swayze with a mullet, you know, speech, the camera's panning on him. You got some cliched stuff, but also some profound stuff like expect the unexpected. But then, you know, something that I hold true to this day, and I really feel like, it's a profound statement to say, you know, be nice until it's time not to be nice. Yeah. And and we all know when that time is. So <laughs> so, that, so that's my favorite part of Roadhouse. And it's as difficult for me as it is for you to isolate one incident. So you have if you have two or three, by all means, you can't you don't have to necessarily it's like choosing between your children, right? You don't wanna you wanna rank one above the other. That's fine.
0: I think my favorite is in uh, when he first rolls up to the double deuce and he goes in there and uh he just sits down and has some coffee and uh Is just watching everybody. He doesn't talk to anybody. He's just analyzing the whole bar, and everybody's like, oh, man, that's Dalton over there. And a huge fight breaks out, and he doesn't jump in. He doesn't help anybody out. He just watches and observes and sees sees what they're doing. And uh, afterwards, he just starts cleaning house and firing everybody and letting them go. And, uh, yeah, he was the man. You know um, I'm not
1: going to get political But like And so I, I won't say The specific name Of the specific president But one of my friends Met the president And there's this picture Of him with the president and, and he has his mouth open My friend has his mouth open In the picture And so I know Photoshop And I like making Little like talk balloons And the talk balloon Thing I put in was I thought you'd be taller <laughs> Which of course You know The Dalton line Like Dalton You know And because uh, Which is another thing And like we I could take You'd the, be bigger Right yes Exactly 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 And uh, and that also makes me That also makes me, uh, me You know not to not to relate Roadhouse to Jiu-Jitsu, but, you know, size doesn't matter, you know. so no, sir. So for those of you in the listening audience that, that are aficionados of Roadhouse, and we're going to transition back to the martial arts here for our last segment in a second, but uh, me, uh, Trevor Hayes, and Brad Acosta have agreed that we will get together together. We will get some adult beverages, and we will watch a ro- roadhouse and do a roadhouse fight companion, uh, and so that is something that uh, we're going to try and set up really soon. Uh, you know, because any excuse to watch roadhouse is uh, is something that we will all take, and I hope that you all will enjoy that as well.
0: Going to be mystery science science theater three thousand style, where we just sit there and say stupid stuff at the screen, pretty much, right. and with reverence, of course, right? Because
1: because nice. it is the greatest movie of our time. Um, so so for our last few minutes got about 10 minutes left. And I want to talk to you a little bit about where you see yourself going in jujitsu. And so you can answer this in a couple different ways. You know, I, I believe in goal setting and I'm wondering like what your are like, whether you set goals and if so, what those goals are and where you see yourself in the next year, five years, 10 years in terms of like your goals for yourself in jiu jitsu. All
0: right. So I guess the ultimate goal is and will always be uh, become black belt, black belt world champion. Um, like I said, it, it, it may take me another 30 years 40 years i might have to be 78 years old when it happens but that's gonna be you know that's that's the ultimate goal is to stay on top of that and like i said i may never achieve it but if you're gonna set a goal you might as well set the ultimate goal so that's the goal be black belt world champion one day and uh outside of that my my other goal is just to continue doing jiu-jitsu as long as i can take care of my body stay healthy keep uh trying to get people on the same path. and Well, I'm not trying to put people on my path. I'm trying to help them find their own path. But, uh, you know, keep exposing people to jiu-jitsu and, uh, you know, f- helping people. Jiu-jitsu people are easier to be around. They face – you face failure on a daily basis to where you have no ego anymore. You just uh, – you're so much more humble and uh, uh, respectful and it's just – jiu people are easier people to be around so yeah that's my ultimate goal is just keep teaching keep uh helping kids gain confidence helping adults gain confidence and uh you know fall in love with uh definitely something that will change their lives like i think jiu-jitsu is more than just like self-defense it's a lifestyle and uh i really believe that and i did not believe that when i started this is not somebody selling me on some mumbo jumbo nobody told me that i found it up my own self and uh uh it's it's absolutely what, uh, what I, I believe, I think it changes people's lives and makes better people. And I want people to, you know, see that.
1: That's well said. And I absolutely concur with that assessment of jujitsu. And, you know, and so to to speak about two of those things uh, before we get into our final question, like I I absolutely think that setting high goals is the way to go because, you know, if you keep striving for those goals, you're going to get closer to that ideal of perfection. And I also think I completely concur with the assessment of jujitsu being a lifestyle that by and large makes people better people. It weeds out the folks that are, that are not as dedicated, that are, and that are bad folks and makes you know and it. certainly improved my life and I think improved and made me a better person and so it's it's admirable to continue to want to pursue that for other people and as such because the jiu-jitsu community is such a tight-knit one we always we in the jiu-jitsu community love our shout outs and so I'm sure there are people I know there are people that have helped you along the way that have helped you in your journey on martial in martial arts that continue to help you to this day and so I'm wondering if you if there are particular folks that you want to shout out isolate and thank as people that have helped you and continue to help you.
0: All right, yeah. um, Let's see. Shout out, obviously, Jeff Baum—he's one that helped get me started on this. If uh, he hadn't been so uh, kind and welcoming to me when I first started jiu-jitsu, I may have never ever come back for a second class. And uh, uh, it's weird to even think about what my life would have been if I uh, hadn't—I walked in there that day. Um, You know, Neil Weaver, another coach of mine, uh, who's—he's helped me out a lot. Um, Without Neil, I would have probably never fought in an MMA fight. (laughs) You know, Neil uh, is—he's the one that kind of. convinced me that uh, I was capable of doing things like that and uh, Brian Mingy another one he's uh, uh, really helped kind of evolve my game and take it to the next level and it's kind of you know I'm adapting some of the things that he does and uh, making it part of my game and it's really fitting well with the way I like to move and the way I like to compete and um, uh, some more folks uh, Roy Marsh is, is Uh, someone that is a really fantastic teacher at southern pines like i i wish he lived closer i don't get to train with him enough but every time i've trained with him he's got this really insightful uh criticism and he just really uh i just don't see how you couldn't get good at jiu-jitsu being around that guy um you know brandon garner helps me jason jason wingate when i train with him is also really helpful those guys have always been really welcoming to me at gracie raleigh so i uh I do appreciate that. Um, some of the guys down at Evolution, like Adam Jetton and Niels Umbro and John Salter, those guys are really good. Like They've got a really cool vibe down there on the beach, and uh, I-, I really like everything they're doing. Cody Maltese, another one, Elevate MMA, like I said, he uh, uh, is given me uh, some things that I didn't have with my game he, that instantly are starting to work now, and I'm uh, making it work. And he's got a really cool philosophical side to him and a really positive outlook on things that – you know i don't anything he wants to do i feel like he can do it he's going to be successful in anything he chooses because of his attitude and uh i like being around that that's infectious and you like you want to be around people like that so they're always a big help um and uh outside of that you know i've got some really awesome training partners buddy edwards uh uh jeremy Seff, randy Wark. um uh, there's so many to name i can't remember them all but uh Um, we've got a really cool, positive group at our gym and, uh, I like being around it. So I'm glad we have a a real cool training atmosphere. So sorry about all the shout outs. Um, my girlfriend Imogen, my dogs, Rico and Fetzer, uh, love those guys, all three of them. And, uh, you know, uh, she puts up with a lot of, uh, Imogen puts up with a lot of me going to the gym and a lot of laundry coming back, a lot of geese and, uh, shirts and rash guards and shorts and uh it's not easy but you know what she's uh never given me a hard time about going to Jitsu and is always just happy to see me when i come home and i really mm-hmm. appreciate that i know it's not always easy but uh she makes it as easy as it can be, so I do appreciate that. Yeah, you got to shout out the dogs and the girlfriend.
1: And uh, I also say, like, jujitsu is about many things for me. It's about fun, friends, competition. It's about learning. It's about improving myself, but mostly it's about laundry. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. a lot of geese. Well, my guest has been Brad Acosta. Brad, I've had a blast having you in the studio, man. Thanks for showing up. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. I want to talk to you guys about CageSide Fight Company for a second. I've been buying from CageSide for more than 6 years and about 99% of the gear that I use is from CageSide. That's not because other companies don't make good stuff, they do. It's just that CageSide offers the highest quality products at the best value and no joke, the best customer service I've ever experienced in my life. So whether you're looking for shin pads, whether you're looking for tie gear, whether you're looking for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gis or Vale Tudo shorts, whether you're looking for the coolest t-shirts around, check out cageside.com or come into their fight shop at 1 Two Four Lotta Road, right in Durham, North Carolina. You won't be sorry. Another thing I want to mention about Cageside is they do more to support local fighters and local Brazilian Jiu Jitsu competitors than just about anybody else. And so we've got to support the people that support us. Check out Cageside Fight Company, One Two Four Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at Cageside.com. Guys, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw. My guest has been uh, competitive TFTC Brown Belt and instructor Brad Acosta. You can see Brad compete at the Toro Cup on February 11th at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina. That's the same location as the Cageside Fight Company location, one two four 2 Road in Durham. A lot of other amazing matches on that card, and you will hear me discuss them with John Bagels-Telford, who made the matches on next week's show. We will also have a bonus show featuring John Shell, whose MMA fight, his uh, MMA debut, his official MMA, debut is this coming weekend on uh, on the uh, Next Level Fight Club show in Raleigh. So we'll be talking to John about that. I always have a great time uh, doing this radio show and I want to thank you so much for listening. Um, my name is Jeff Shaw. This is Dirty White Belt Radio and we will see you all next Sunday.